Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. That crooked photo frame on the wall totally triggers my OCD. Oh my gosh, I'm so OCD, everything has to be so clean. How often do you hear these terms in everyday life? It seems like it's almost natural or normal for everyone to suggest they have a mental health condition without really knowing the implications of what it would be like to have that mental health condition. Today, I'm going to talk about OCD. The What's Eating You podcast is a series of mental health topics that are designed to make you think, learn, educate, and validate. Enjoy the show. Welcome to today's episode of the What is Eating You podcast. I am in my new recording room. How exciting. Basically, I just swapped my study and the bedroom. So I'm in the bigger room, so it may sound a bit echoey, but hopefully the sound is all right. And I just plan to make content with a different background, with a bit more of a different vibe, more lighting. And I have a beautiful city view because I'm right up against the window now, whereas previously the room was such an awkward shape and I couldn't be right in front of the window. So I had to be a few meters back, which meant the lighting wasn't on point. So I feel very lucky to be in this room. I really want to make the most of it. And I might even put a little table, a little couch in the corner and film more content. That's a little bit different. So this is a reminder, don't be afraid to change up your environment every now and then, even just move things around in your bedroom, change the way your bed faces, flip your mattress over, change your bathroom around, clean out your products, move your chairs in your kitchen. A little change to your environment can go a long way because often we get stuck in the same feelings, the same patterns, the same habits, and Sometimes it just doesn't really serve us. If you're feeling a bit blah about your environment, zhish it up a bit. Go to Kmart, get some cool accessories. I am so not that person, but today I'm like, no, I'm going to put effort into thinking about this type of setup. I'm going to put effort into getting some nice shelves. I'm going to put some cool ornaments in and I have. So if you haven't checked them out, I will be doing a few videos this week that'll have my new background. So make sure you go on TikTok and let me know what you think of my new background. 
All right, I'm here to discuss a topic today that's often misunderstood and stigmatized, and it is obsessive compulsive disorder. So in a previous episode, I spoke about phobias and how sometimes a phobia can look like OCD because people go to extreme lengths to avoid the anxiety that that fear brings. For example, if you have a phobia of birds, maybe you don't go anywhere where there's birds, or maybe you take the long way around, and that can look ritualistic or that can look like a compulsion, but these are two very separate disorders and they come from different sections of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Health Conditions. Surprisingly, I get asked a lot about OCD and it is something I have treated quite a lot in private practice. I love OCD. I love working with people who have it. I think it's such an interesting disorder. And the people who often have OCD are a joy to work with. They listen, they get good results, and they put in the hard work. Why? Because people with OCD are often perfectionists. And the perfectionists are the clients who are going to do the homework. They're going to do what you say. And they really work extremely hard. So how do you know if you have OCD? How do you know if you have a clinically diagnosed OCD-related disorder or OCD itself? So first of all, let's talk about the diagnostic criteria. So to have a mental health condition, you have to meet a certain criteria. And this is in the Bible, the book that we diagnose with called the DSM-5. You would have seen it in my videos. It's this big purple book. And we're currently in the fifth edition text revised. The text revised one is blue. Now, OCD is a mental health condition characterized by persistent unwanted thoughts known as obsessions and repetitive behaviors or mental acts called compulsions. The obsessions cause significant anxiety, so the thoughts or intrusive thoughts, and the person feels driven to perform compulsive acts to temporarily relieve the anxiety or neutralize the distress. Now, you can either have just obsessions, so intrusive thoughts, and you can either just have compulsions or a combination of both. Usually it's both. It's quite rare we see someone with just one and not the other. But in order to be diagnosed with it, the compulsions and the thoughts must be time-consuming and they need to cause clinically significant distress in various areas of functioning. So, for example, in your work, in your school, in your personal life. So the actual criteria is A, you need the presence of obsessions, compulsions, or both. This can be recurrent and unwanted persistent thoughts, urges, or images that are intrusive or unwanted, and they cause marked anxiety or distress. Two, the individual attempts to ignore or suppress the thoughts, urges, or images, or to neutralize them in some way with some other thought or action. So for example, they might have a thought, I'm going to harm my baby. And then to undo that thought, they will tell themselves, no, if I just think about um, a sunshine, everything's going to be okay. So you can actually think thoughts to neutralize or get rid of other thoughts. Like if I say, Hail Mary 10 times, I'm not going to do something bad. Compulsions are defined by repetitive behaviors such as hand washing or checking or mental compulsions such as counting or praying that the individual feels driven to perform in response to an obsession or according to rules that must be applied rigidly. Two, 
The behaviors or mental acts in compulsions are aimed at preventing or reducing distress or preventing some dreaded event or situation. However, these actions are not realistically connected to what they intended to prevent or neutralize, and they're often excessive. And it has to be excessive. It has to cause distress. It can't be better explained by another mental health condition. And like I said, it has to impact your life. So the people with OCD I've worked with, and there's different categories of OCD. So you can have germophobia, which is the fear of contamination or germs. And this was really high during COVID. A lot of people developed OCD during COVID because we were told to sanitize 24 seven, or we're going to get this horrible, you know, illness. And people just took it too far and the contamination and the fear of contamination and everything just spread like wildfire. So that is very common. The other type of OCD I've seen is symmetry OCD in which someone who touched a door handle on one side would have to touch it on the other side. You have to even it out. Or if I, you know, take two shuffles on the right, I have to take two shuffles on the left to even it out. And if I don't do these behaviors, I have really, really bad anxiety. I fear something bad will happen if I don't do it. So then I do the compulsion to temporarily rejuvenate, release, relieve the anxiety that it causes. So in the OCD head, the person is justifying the compulsion because it makes them feel better in the moment. They feel good in the moment. But the problem is over time, it just gets worse and worse and worse. For example, if you've got an issue with your car and the light comes on and you just keep putting a a sticker on top of that light, temporarily you're going to forget about the problem, but the car is going to keep getting worse and worse and worse and break down. Now, as mentioned, OCD and phobias are similar because they both have anxiety, but they come from different categories. I thought it would be interesting to share what other disorders are in the OCD category. So they're in the obsessive compulsive and related disorder category of the DSM-5. Now disorders in this group are in this group because they have common features related to obsessions, compulsions, or similar behavioral and thought patterns. So other disorders in this category include body dysmorphic disorder, which is very interesting because people often think this is an eating disorder or a body image disorder, but it's a disorder that involves a preoccupation with a perceived or minor defect in your physical appearance that is not observable to others or it's very slight to others. Now, individuals with BDD, body dysmorphic disorder, may engage in compulsive behaviors or mental acts related to their appearance. So for example, it's more than thinking you're fat or you've got big legs. It's my nose is so big that I can't go out in public without wearing a hat to try to distract from my nose or my forehead is huge. So I need to cover it up with a fringe. And these people either frequently engage in mirror checking or they frequently engage in avoidance. And they also check multiple, I'm talking three to six hours a day before they leave the house. BDD actually has a very high suicide rate, often because the person thinks the problem is physical. They will get so many surgeries, they'll see lots of doctors, and it's not until things get pretty bad, they've had surgeries and they're still not feeling complete or they're not feeling 
as though they've achieved their goal that they get suggested to see a psychologist and then to be told it's a mental problem. That's really hard for people to deal with. Remember all those shows, My Strange Addiction? Many of those people had BDD, the people who consistently keep getting the implants or get really big life-changing surgery and it does not stop. The second category or the second disorder in the obsessive and compulsive category is hoarding disorder. Now, hoarding and OCD are closely linked because what I found is people with OCD, they either come from a family of parents who had checking traits, anxiety traits, or OCD traits, or they come from parents who were hoarders and they don't want to be like that. So they develop excessive cleanliness to the other extreme. Now, hoarding, for those who may not know, is persistent difficulty with parting with your possessions, regardless of the value. It can lead to really big distress and impairment due to the clutter and the inability to organize stuff. So people can become housebound because they their house is covered by newspaper or by different clippings or stamps or um, pointless belongings. And I can do a whole episode on hoarding disorder. Then we've got trichotillomania, which is hair pulling disorder. So this is recurrent pulling of your hair leading to noticeable hair loss. People can pull their eyelashes, their pubic hair, their eyebrows, and it's often experienced to reduce tension and some people may bite the hair after, and it's hard to stop it. So it sort of serves that function of providing relief, and then the person completes the cycle and the brain learns this pattern of behavior. The next disorder in the obsessive-compulsive realm is excoriation or skin-picking disorder. Now, this is where people pick their skin, and they may result in lesions, scabs, scars, And they find it really hard to control the skin picking and hard to challenge it as well. Then there's substance or medication-induced OCD. So this is the development of obsessive, compulsive, or related symptoms due to the effect of substances such as drugs or medications or withdrawal from a substance. And the last one is obsessive-compulsive disorder due to another medical um, Condition. So it's when OCD comes from a medical condition such as a traumatic brain injury or encephalitis, etc. All right, now we've gone through OCD, I want to talk about perfectionism because so many people are perfectionists and perfectionism can lead to OCD traits or OCD behavior. And I'm going to talk about the six or seven links that OCD and perfectionism have in common. The main thing is they manifest a significant aspect of perfectionism, both of these conditions. So perfectionism, it's not a clinical disorder, it's not a diagnosis, but there is something called clinical perfectionism and it's usually a trait or a symptom of disorders in which the person engages in such perfectionistic behavior that it comes at the cost of their mental health, their well-being and other aspects of life. Now, perfectionism in the context of OCD involves an obsession with achieving a particular standard of flawlessness, often leading to compulsive behaviors aimed at attaining or maintaining this idealized state. And this is characterized by seven different things. So one is intrusive thoughts and fear of imperfection. Individuals with OCD often experience intrusive thoughts or obsessions related to imperfections, mistakes, or a fear of not doing things perfectly. 
These thoughts generate anxiety and distress, compelling the individual to engage in compulsive behaviors as a way to alleviate anxiety. Two, compulsive rituals to achieve perfection. Many people think they do so well because they are so perfectionistic or they think, well, I haven't gotten sick because I take such good care to have five showers a day. So essentially they validate their own rituals and they justify them and they think, I get straight A's at school because of this behavior. When in actual fact, if they didn't go to the extreme of these behaviors, they'd probably still get A's, but that takes exposure therapy to work that out. So perfectionism in OCD often involves seeking reassurance. Individuals may seek reassurance from themselves or others that they have achieved perfection or have not made a mistake. The seeking of reassurance is a compulsion aimed at alleviating anxiety associated with the fear of imperfection. So reassurance seeking is a big one. Are you someone who constantly seeks reassurance? Do you need to be told you're doing a good job? Do you need to be told you look good? Do you need to be told that you're amazing? And if so, why? Why do you need this? What does it give you? How does it make you feel? Number four, intolerance of uncertainty. Perfectionism in OCD is often linked to an intolerance of uncertainty, which is so hard because life is uncertain. Everything is uncertain. Now, the fear of making a mistake or not achieving perfection can be so overwhelming that individuals engage in compulsive rituals to gain a sense of certainty and control over the situation. Now, I call this fake control. So when people talk about eating disorders or OCD as having control, it gives me control. It really doesn't because if you had true control, you could eat whatever you wanted. If you had true control, you wouldn't be controlled by what you eat. If you had true control, you wouldn't feel the need to shower. You could say, you know what? I really want to shower, but I'm not going to shower. So for me, control is not feeling obliged to do the thing you feel obsessed to do. Five, rigid standards and overemphasis on precision. Individuals with OCD tend to set extremely high and often unrealistic standards for themselves. They may obsess over details and be extremely focused on precision and accuracy in their actions or thoughts. Any deviation from these self-imposed rigid standards can cause significant distress. And what you see is when people actually lower the standards and the effort they go to, I mean, you don't have to lower your goal or your standard, but what exposure therapy teaches you is even if you read an email over seven times to make sure it's perfect versus sending an imperfect email, usually the outcome is the same, but you save energy and you save time. And the last one they have in common, perfectionism and OCD, is impact on daily functioning. While people will think their perfectionism is what got them here today and what gets them good marks and what allows them to do what they do, it comes at such a significant cost. It comes at the cost of your relationships, your quality of life, your energy, and your happiness. The time spent, do you know how much time and money people lose? I've had people who spend $20,000 a year on just cleaning one cleaning product, right? Because of OCD. 
the amount of time you spend checking and double checking and trying to be perfect. Imagine that if you could quantify your perfection, how much time do you think you've wasted? This is even for people without OCD. If you're a perfectionist, tell me how much time you've wasted being perfect. And this can contribute to burnout. People who are constantly trying to be flawless leads to mental exhaustion. Now, how do we address it? Usually in therapy, it's cognitive behavioral therapy, and we challenge perfectionistic beliefs. We do some exposure to being imperfect. We manage the obsession. So we engage in what's called exposure and response prevention therapy. So we get people to sit with the urge to do the compulsion whilst doing some anxiety exercises, some breathing, some regulating your nervous system to show and prove to the person that they're okay sitting with this distress. They don't need to touch symmetry. They don't need to wash their hands. The result is still the same. And even if you are perfect, you can't control the outcome every time. Now, this affects 1% to 2% of the global population. So OCD is more common. And I would say it's probably gotten even more common during COVID. Now, I'd like to touch on a significant issue, and I guess it's the misuse of the term OCD in everyday language. People often casually say they have OCD, but how does it differ from having the disorder? Saying, I'm so OCD, that's triggering my OCD. For minor organizational preferences or quirks, it undermines the severity and reality of OCD. I've seen people who have it and what they go through, and it is absolutely torturous. So true OCD involves intense and distressing obsessions and compulsions that can consume a significant portion of a person's day and their relationships. And it gets really bad. If it's left untreated, it will get bad. It affects intimacy. It affects where you can sit. It affects what the partner can do. The partner is stuck between a rock and a hard place because they become enablers. They think they're helping their partner by adhering to this third person in the relationship, the OCD, when in actual fact, they're actually encouraging and enabling the condition when they're not fighting against the compulsions. And that can cause tension in the relationship because the person may not feel supported in that. So if this is you, don't worry, we all say it, we all use it, but just be really mindful to use the term thoughtfully and accurately to reduce the stigma and enhance our understanding. Now, social media. Social media is both positive and negative in how it portrays mental health, including OCD. And on one hand, it raises awareness, it reduces stigma, and it provides a sense of community for people with OCD. However, on the other hand, it can perpetuate stereotypes and misunderstandings, and it can trigger people with OCD. So it's just very mindful to be, it's very important to be mindful about what we do see, what we do say. Now, I did want to cover phobias just quickly. So a specific phobia, as mentioned, is an anxiety condition, whereas OCD is a obsessive compulsive related condition and there is a high comorbidity. So for example, contamination fears, fears of harming yourself or needing things to be symmetrical can share commonalities with OCD, whereas specific phobias involve intense and irrational fears about specific objects and situations like heights, 
spiders, or flying. Now, OCD and specific phobias can coexist in the same individual, but they are different disorders. So do know that you can have more than one disorder. I always get asked that. And the treatment is similar but different in its approach. If you have OCD or you're struggling with it, the best thing you can do is start to measure what it is you struggle with. How many times a day are you washing your hands? How many times a day are you having this intrusive thought? When you have the intrusive thought, what are you thinking? What are you feeling in your body? Start to log your anxiety because you need data. What you measure, you can manage, and then you can start to set small goals around it. But you really, really do need to learn how to reduce your distress and your arousal. Many people with anxiety have a heightened level of anxiety and that's okay. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's about learning when I'm activated, how do I change my relationship with this? Being anxious is not the worst thing in the world. We've made it the worst thing in the world. We've made ourselves believe it's so bad. Whereas if you're like, you know what, given the circumstance, given that this is something I fear and given that I'm worried about, you know, getting on this plane or I'm worried about catching COVID, it's reasonable to expect that I'm going to feel a bit anxious and have these symptoms and that's okay. And as soon as you accept it and you're compassionate about your symptoms, you can remove the fear that perpetuates the desire to alleviate the fear. So just some food for thought there. Hope you've enjoyed this episode on OCD. I do get asked about it a lot. If you liked it, let me know. Take a screenshot, tag me on social media at MindFoodSteph. Send me a message. Let me know if you enjoyed it. I love doing the podcast. It's really a passion of mine and I am so grateful for all your reviews and your comments and your submissions. Don't forget if you've got a submission or a juicy story or something you want to share, feel free to send it through. Thank you so much. Have the best day and I'll see you on the other side. Bye. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.